This time I invite you to turn in your Bibles with me for the scripture reading to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, I'll begin reading at verse 1. Verses 14 to 17 will constitute my sermon text for this evening. And then in a few moments, we'll turn to Lord's Day 25 in the Forums and Prayers book, which can be found on page 226. But first, we turn to the reading of God's Word. Romans chapter 10, beginning at verse 1. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. He's referring to the Israelites. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. For Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. But the righteousness based on faith says, Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed that he has heard what he has heard from us. So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. But I ask, have they not heard? Indeed they have, for their voice has gone out to all the earth, and their words to the ends of the world. But I ask, did Israel not understand? First Moses says, I will make you jealous of those who are not a nation. With a foolish nation, I will make you angry. Then Isaiah is so bold as to say, I have been found by those who did not seek me. I have shown myself to those who did not ask for me. But of Israel, he says, all day long I have held out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. Thus far the reading of God's word, I invite you to turn in your forms and prayers book to page 226. Question and answer 65. I'll ask the question, congregation, please respond with the answer. It is by faith alone that we share in Christ and all his benefits. Where then does that faith come from? 
the Holy Spirit works it in our hearts by the preaching of the Holy Gospel and confirms it by the use of the Holy Sacraments. What are sacraments? Sacraments are visible, holy signs and seals. They were instituted by God so that by our use of them, He might make us understand more clearly the promise of the gospel and seal that promise. And this is God's gospel promise. He grants us forgiveness of sins and eternal life by grace because of Christ's one sacrifice accomplished on the cross. Are both the word and the sacraments then intended to focus our faith on the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross as the only ground of our salvation? Yes, indeed. The Holy Spirit teaches us in the gospel and confirms by the holy sacraments that our entire salvation rests on Christ's one sacrifice for us on the cross. How many sacraments did Christ institute in the New Testament? Two, holy baptism and the holy supper. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear. What the Spirit is teaching the church of Jesus Christ. May your gospel, by your Spirit, do a marvelous work in our hearts, in the hearts of all your people, from every tribe, tongue, and nation, all who call upon the name of the Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Congregation of Christ, it's a duty and delight to call upon the name of the Lord. God calls all men everywhere to call upon His name. Many of you perhaps grew up in a covenant home. And there was probably a time when you didn't remember when you never knew Jesus. You always thought, oh, I, I know who this Jesus is. I've always gone to worship. I've always called upon the name of the Lord. Maybe that's you. But for most, that's not something that's practiced. It's an unknown. There are not many people in the world who call upon the name of the Lord. But then there are some in the church who call upon the name of the Lord because they see it merely as a duty and don't see it as a delight. Do you see it as a delight? Or do you see coming to worship twice on Sunday as a duty? Mom and dad told me to do it. I have to do it. And you come begrudgingly. Oh, we have to go through the motions again. Or even throughout the course of the week. Throughout the course of the week, we call upon the name of the Lord in prayer, in devotions, with your family. This is foreign to the world. It really is. It is so foreign to the world. It's foreign to me until I was 23. No clue. Paul had a strong desire to preach to his own people, the Israelites, the Jews. He loved them. He knew what God entrusted to the Jews, the covenants, the word of God. 
the law of Moses. All those blessed benefits that the Jews had, and yet they sought, a, sought out a righteousness that was not by faith, but by works righteousness. And Paul came to preach the gospel to them, but then he was called to be a preacher to the Jews, a preacher to the Jews and Gentiles, both. But he was known as the preacher to the Gentiles, the missionary to the Gentiles. His desire after his conversion experience was to indiscriminately call all people everywhere to repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. He wanted people to be worshipers of the true God through Christ. That was his heart's desire. To call upon the only name that is above every name, the name of Jesus. Even Peter, the Apostle Peter, in his sermon, says that salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven by which man must be saved. And so there was a zeal to preach to all nations, Jew and Gentile, the glorious grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And to delight in the worship of the true God. This requires a work on the part of the church when Paul passionately preached the good news, he did so liberally and freely to all people who heard him. But why? Why? What drove him? What moved him? What moves pastors and ministers and teachers? What moves elders and deacons to do the work of ministry? What moves Christians? To indiscriminately share Christ. If God, as the universalists and liberals proclaim, saves everyone, why call people to believe and be saved? Why, why not just go home and be married, do it, keep our faith to ourselves? Why call anybody to faith and repentance? Why urge people, implore people to call upon the name of the Lord? Why? Why are we involved in gospel ministry? Paul speaks to this in verses 14 to 17. He speaks of this in the entire letter to the Romans. Paul clearly teaches in Romans that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, that the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul is very clear that all are sinners. Born in sin, born in rebellion against the true God. And natural revelation is not enough to save a person from their sins. It, in fact, condemns a person. It makes a person without excuse before the judgment seat of Christ, the judgment seat of God. All have sinned. All mankind has fallen. Born with original sin, passed down from our first parents. And we also commit actual sins in thought, word, and in deed. This is the context by which Paul then 
has this passion to preach Christ and Him crucified and risen, to preach the righteousness that comes by faith. He says, how then will they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in in Him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. Paul gives a series of questions on the importance, the importance of preaching and teaching, of missionary activity, the importance of faith. And that's the first question, verse 14. How then will they, Jew or Greek, call on Him, that is Christ, in whom they have not believed? There's a necessity of faith to call upon the Lord. In order for one to call upon the Lord, one must believe. To call upon the name of the Lord is to invoke the name of God, to worship the true God, to adore the true God. In worship, that is what you're doing. That is what you're doing even now. You're calling upon the name of the Lord in worship. You're invoking the name of Christ to come to the Father by the power of the Spirit to call upon His name. And He is so gracious and kind to you to welcome you into His glorious presence. Paul uses a rhetorical question to emphasize the fact that those who don't call upon the name of the Lord don't believe. God requires faith to call upon His name We draw near to God through faith in whom? In Christ, who is the righteousness of God. By Christ and His perfect righteousness, we enter into God's presence and call upon His name. Not one person has been or will be saved from their sins, original or actual sins, apart from Christ and His precious work on the cross. From the remotest part of the world, to the most advanced parts of the world. Not one person will be saved apart from Christ and faith in His name. Our hearts must be transformed by the work of the Spirit and power of the Spirit. The Catechism asks, it is by faith alone that we share in Christ and all His benefits. Where where then does this faith come from? The answer, the Holy Spirit works it in our hearts by the preaching of the Holy Gospel. The Spirit of God creates faith in our hearts through particular means. The preaching of the Gospel and the powerful work of the Holy Spirit. That's why at verse 17, Paul says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the Word of Christ. If you desire to worship God, the true God of heaven and earth requires faith. That is a prerequisite to come and call upon the name of the Lord. Faith in Christ who is our righteousness. 
Because we cannot come on our own righteousness. What about very young children or babies who are unable to exercise faith? It's a good question. An important question. What do you say to families who grieve the loss of a child in the covenant community? Babies can't exercise faith. What about them? Again, not one person will be saved apart from Christ and His saving work. Even babies who die in the womb or after birth must be saved by the blood of the Lamb. And in Canons of Dort, article or Head of Doctrine 1, I invite you to turn there to page 263. Head of Doctrine 1, Article 17. See there on the right-hand side there, Article 17, the salvation of deceased infants of believers. This is an important question. It's a very important question, especially when we considering the point, the necessity of faith to call upon the name of the Lord. What about children? What about babies? The article says, since we must make judgments about God's will from his word, which testifies that the children of believers are holy, which they get from 1 Corinthians chapter 7, not by nature, but by virtue of the gracious covenant in which they together with their parents are included. Godly parents ought not to doubt the election and salvation of their children, whom God calls out of this life, in infancy. Why is a child saved, receive salvation? Because of the shed blood of Jesus. The shed blood of Jesus. Yes, the necessity of salvation is required to call upon the name of the Lord, but in these instances of babies and little children, who cannot exercise faith, God remembers his covenant. The parents and their little ones. Then Paul asks, he says, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? Then he says, and how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? The necessity of preaching and preachers. The nations or Gentiles can't believe in Christ and call upon Him if they've never heard the message of Christ. If there's no Bible or divine revelation, if there's no preacher of the Word, they can't know and receive and believe in Christ and call upon His name, which is communicated through the Bible, the Word of God. How can they believe in someone in whom they've never heard? By way of example, illustration, illustrations fall short, so bear with me. I grew up in an Italian home, you know, Italian parents. It was a bilingual home, mostly Italian-speaking home. 
And when I started to date Carrie and I started to learn about children and we started having children, there were children's books and authors I had no idea. Completely clueless and I would get the look like, you've never heard of this before? Really? You've never, you've never heard of this person or this book? Completely clueless. Never read Dr. Seuss <laughs> or like authors. How was I to know? Paul says they can't hear the message or word of Christ without someone preaching. Preaching and preachers are the ordinary ways or means by which people hear the word of Christ and either believe or reject the call of God and repent and believe in the holy gospel and call upon his name. That's why, boys and girls, your parents, when they bring you to church, there's a reason. They want you to hear this good news. They want you to learn what it means to call upon the name of the Lord through Jesus, our Savior. They want you to hear words of life. They desire and pray that the Holy Spirit works faith in your hearts by the preaching of the word. Now it's important to say that this doesn't mean that God doesn't work in, any other, way, in other ways to save people so that they may call upon his name. For example, what about the man who goes, into a, goes to a hotel room and he discovers in one of the cabinets a Gideon's Bible and he starts reading the Bible for the first time and he maybe he comes across like Romans chapter 10 verses uh, 10 to, to 13. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved and says, I believe. Or what about the woman who's at home with the children and a neighbor or friend gives that woman a Bible the first time she reads the Bible? And she opens the Bible in her home and she reads the Bible in her home and she comes to passages of Scripture where the Bible is taught, or where the Bible speaks of Christ and His saving love for His sheep. And the Spirit works faith in her. What about the Ethiopian eunuch? What about Lydia, the businesswoman? Someone coming alongside and sharing, opening the Bible and sharing the Bible with them. What about the Philippian jailer? You see, God uses the ordinary means of preaching and preachers, but God is not in a box. The Holy Spirit works through the Word. bringing his people to faith and repentance. So then this, I think, as I study this passage, passage, it begs the question, how can God expect unreached peoples throughout the world or people in our own backyard call upon the Lord when they haven't heard the gospel of Jesus Christ? Is it really fair and just? Is it really fair and just that God would condemn sinners who've never heard the gospel. 
Has anybody ever asked you that question? Have you ever thought about that question and thought, well, man, I hope nobody asked me that question? <laughs> well, we need to remember what was said earlier. Paul said, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Sinners are condemned because they reject God and are sinners by nature. They are not condemned because they reject Christ, because they are born in sin. They perish eternally because they are sinners, not because they reject Jesus and the gospel. And so tribes in the remotest regions of the world who have never heard the name of Christ or heard about the Bible or heard about Jesus, probably practicing some sort of animism or mysticism, need to hear the gospel of God's grace and mercy in Christ. Where's the urgency for preaching and preachers I don't know, perhaps we need to be praying more about this. Like every other person, those in tribal regions possess a sinful nature which is enough to condemn all mankind. And that's Paul's argument in Romans 1, that natural revelation leaves man without excuse in the last day in judgment before God. Because although man knows God, they deny him and reject him and suppress the truth and unrighteousness. Many weeks ago, I think it may have been months ago actually, I used as an illustration a documentary called Itau, which is a documentary about missionaries that went to a tribal region. I'm not quite sure which part of the world, but it was a very tribal region. They didn't have a written word. They only spoke in their tribal language. And two missionaries, a husband and wife, went there and preached the gospel to them, learned how to communicate to them and share the gospel. And I talked about that. But what I didn't add at that time is that when they came to know Christ, they believed in the Lord, they were celebrating and filled with joy. But then they realized after a time of celebrating and filled with great joy, they paused. And then they began to wail. They began to wail because they realized their ancestors didn't have the hope of Christ. They wailed profusely because they realized that their loved ones have never heard this great and awesome message of the gospel. Then they rejoiced again. Then they rejoiced again. And this tribe began a new generation of those who call upon the name of the Lord. The necessity of preaching and preachers, the necessity of faith, there's an urgency. There's an urgency. And we see the urgency in Jesus. Jesus reached the lost and wayward sinners on the highways and byways of Israel, even in Gentile lands near Tyre and Sidon. 
He came to seek and to save the lost sheep, preaching the kingdom of God. His mission was to preach. To preach the message of hope and salvation. And before his ascension, he gave the command to the church, go. Jesus calls preachers to go. Calls ministers to go. Calls elders to go in their community, in their church, whom they oversee and shepherd. Go and preach the word of Christ in the church and beyond the walls of the church. Because people will perish if they don't hear and believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. Apathy in the church is appalling. I'll just go out and say it. Apathy in my heart I find appalling. An apathetic spirit cares less for others and more concerned about self-preservation. Churches may become so isolated and insulated from the world around them that they have no effect and no impact upon their community or culture. It's true that we live in the world but not of the world. But let's not use the latter, not being of the world, as an excuse of being salt and light in the world. Do we have urgency about us to preach and bear witness to Christ and his precious work of salvation? Unbelievers can't hear unless someone preaches because only the word of Christ is the message of hope. And so let us pray that God raises up preachers to preach, even among our own ranks here. Men, is God nudging in your heart to preach? And if you have fear, well, that's something you need to deal with, we need to talk about. Because fear keeps men from the ministry. But God did not give us a spirit of fear, but, but a spirit of power and love and self-control. How can you, congregation, encourage and bless others? Pray, pray that God raises up preachers who declare the mysteries of the gospel revealed in the word of God. Again, how are they to believe in him of whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? May the Lord of the harvest send out, send out laborers from our own congregation to declare the glory of Christ and his righteousness. Listen, we participate in this work when we give our tithes and offerings for the furtherance of the kingdom. We, when we give to Mid-America, when we give to Divine Hope, when we give to other ministries that promote Gospel ministry, promote word ministry. The necessity of faith to call upon the name of the Lord. The necessity of preaching and preachers. Then the final questions Paul asks, the necessity of missions and missionaries. How are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. If God saves his elect, why missions and missionaries? If God wants to save the heathen, he'll find a way to save them. That's often can be stated. Listen, God will save his elect. But sometimes we miss out on the blessings of being part of that work. 
and our faithlessness. Indeed, God saves his children from the grip of Satan, sin, and eternal death. And he calls the church to go into all the world. There's that urgency again. There's that urgency again. Go. Go. How are they to preach unless they are sent? Christ sends his ministers, and he sends and works through his church to send out missionaries to do the work of missions. Is this only the task of missionaries and preachers? I think that it is fair to say that today we have a mission field in our own backyard. Would you not agree? Why do we have a mission field in our own backyard? And I'll tell you what, and I think you know this already, so I may be preaching to the choir. People know nothing about the Bible. They may have heard of the name of Jesus, but they know nothing about him. And they don't know him. There are churches practically in every corner in, in DeMont, in towns and cities in this area, churches on every corner. You go to the city of Chicago, the south side, north side, west side, east side, churches on every corner. But do they know Jesus? How many of them have been reached? And how is God going to use you to reach them? Christian, missionary work must be an activity of Christ's church because the Lord is a missionary God who seeks and saves the lost through preaching of his word, through the, through the sharing of his word as Christians to our neighbor. And he brings about faith by the power of his spirit. How people receive this word is another matter. In fact, the Apostle Paul says, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? The Jews as a whole, Israel as a whole, there was a remnant that were believing in Christ through the preaching of the apostles. But the nation as a whole did not believe. And the gospel went to the Gentiles, making the Israelites jealous of those who are not a nation, with a foolish nation, I will make you angry, says the Lord. And Isaiah is so bold as to say, I have, found, I have been found by those who did not seek me. I have shown myself to those who did not ask for me. But of Israel, he says, all day long I have held out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. Those who believe in the gospel, it is the power of God unto salvation. The Holy Spirit works that faith in our hearts, and the Son of God, Jesus, instituted two sacraments, baptism and the Holy Supper, to do what? To confirm this gospel message, to confirm this good news, to confirm to our faith, to us, that his promises are true. And we're going to have the opportunity next Sunday evening to look at the second part of Lord's Day, 
25, question 67. Question is, at 65, it is by faith alone that we share in Christ and all his benefits. Where Where then does this faith come from? The Holy Spirit works faith in our hearts by the preaching of the Holy Gospel and confirms it by the use of the Holy Sacraments. Congregation is the Holy Spirit that does this work in hearts. But the church is the messenger of the good news. How will they hear unless someone preaches? How will they hear unless someone brings that good news of Christ crucified and risen to sinners? Amen. Let's pray. Almighty God and faithful Father, we thank you, O Lord, that we have been recipients of the preaching of the word. For many, it's been since infancy, since they were little children. For many, it was when they were adults. But in your time and according to your purpose, you appointed each one in this sanctuary to hear your word. And Father, we pray that we would not just be hearers of the world, but but hearers and believers of it. That we would receive it with hearts of faith. That your Spirit work that faith in our hearts, so that indeed we would call upon the name of the Lord. And know, O Lord, your goodness and grace towards us in Christ. We're so grateful and thankful, O Lord, that you have granted us this day to worship you, to call upon your name. May we take, O Lord, the food that you have given to us on this Lord's day and continue to feed on it throughout the course of this week reflecting upon the goodness of our Savior, His sacrificial love for us. And may we walk, O Lord, in newness of life. And may we walk, O Lord, in obedience to Your Word, being ready to give a reason for the hope that is within us. And so help us, O Lord, to be able to engage our neighbors, be ready to share Jesus in our own backyards. Help us, O Lord, to be givers, gracious givers to the cause of the kingdom, both near and far. And help us, O Lord, to be gracious givers to the glory of your name. And that your name indeed may be proclaimed in all the earth. For in Jesus' name we pray, amen.